I'm master at life and weight loss coach, Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Welcome back to another bonus episode of the Body You Crave podcast. And today I'm speaking with Danielle Savory. Danielle is a master certified coach and a pleasure expert. So she really focuses on helping women use their largest sex organ, their brain, for better sex and a more pleasure-filled life. And I really wanted to dive into the topic around sex for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's often one of the things couples will fight most about, right? It's sex, money, and kids, often the top three. And so this is something that is just often not talked a lot about in life in general. And I think we need to start to normalize this conversation a little bit, make us more comfortable around it. Growing up in the church, I feel like there was a lot of shame and judgment around sex and it was bad and it was definitely not before marriage. But then there was this kind of assumption that we didn't need to talk about sex then after marriage. Okay. It's like, okay, now it's good. It's fine. Go ahead. You know, have fun. And you're just kind of like, uh, all right, what do I do here? And even to the extent of, well, like, am I obligated to have sex? And I've got to make sure my partner is pleasured and satisfied and fulfilled and wanting, you know, not wanting or not lacking. Otherwise he might stray and is it my fault? So there's so much around sex and we can have a lot of thoughts and emotions carry a lot of weight from past experiences that really impact this. In addition to how our body image and our self-confidence and our own, you know, just our thoughts about ourselves can impact how we show up in the bedroom. And so I thought it was really interesting. My best friend came to visit about a month ago and Zach had said, you know, hold the baby. We're going to go make another one. And, you know, just kind of joking and playful. And at the, in the moment, even though this was my best friend, I still felt embarrassed. Like, <laughs> why, honey, why did you say that? Like, ugh, don't say that. We don't say these kinds of things. We don't allude to having sex. Like, it still, to me, comes off as, I guess there's like still this aspect of taboo. It, I don't know if it's shameful or, you know, even though we've been married for eight years, even though it's like what married couples do and it's known about, there's still this aspect that to me feels kind of embarrassing about. And so, It was at that point that I realized like, oh, I I need to start talking about this more and bringing on different experts in these different areas. And so that's why in particular, we're talking about money, sex, and parenting in these areas because we don't eat in a vacuum. And a lot of times I think it can be really easy for us to reach for food for pleasure instead of being vulnerable and getting naked and being in front of a partner. And so I was so excited to talk with Danielle. We had such a great conversation and she is full, incredible information and just even perspective shifts on the way that we think about it. And so it's amazing. And she is having a sexy revamp starting on September 15th. So all the links will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to access that very easily. But I just want to make sure that you are aware of that. If this resonates with you at all, if you want to improve and enhance your own ability to experience pleasure, then this is going to be for you. So I am so excited to share this with you. Let's dive in. 
All right. Welcome back to another bonus episode of the Body You Crave podcast. And with me today, I have a very special guest, Danielle Savory. So thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Thank you. I'm super excited about our conversation. Yes. So go ahead and introduce yourselves because I'm sure by the title, everyone is super curious. But tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. So Danielle Savory, I am a master certified coach and I specialize in sex for women. And I think there's a lot of, like you said, curiosity, confusion. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not coaching you in the bedroom. I'm really coaching your brain to help you get more in your body and see really where those obstacles that we have learned from whether where we grew up around our family units, the way that we are socialized that are keeping us from our birthright of pleasure and really feeling worthy and deserving of pleasure, but then also knowing how to access it. So that's the work that I do to just help women feel more alive. Yes, I love it. And I think, yeah, this is such a kind of a taboo topic to discuss and to be talking about, or it's something that's kind of like off limits, or we don't do that. We can have a lot of shame and thoughts and feelings around our bodies. Even just talking about sex can feel kind of awkward. And so I love that you are really kind of on this mission to help normalize it and to make it more relaxed and easy and something that we can really start to identify where some of this is coming from and looking at how do we want to change things and how do we do this in the best way possible. So as I was reading your bio, you talked about using our biggest sex organ, our brains. And I love that you highlighted that. And I was like, oh my gosh. So unpack that for us a little bit, will you please? Yeah, no problem. So I think a lot of times sex is one of those things that we've put in like the special snowflake category where it has everything to do with other people, right? Are we attracted to them? Mm -hmm. Are they turning us on? Are they doing the right things to make us feel Mm -hmm. in the mood? And the other thing that we really think about sex is, is going with the body, like your hormones or, you know, how you're feeling in your body and all of these things that we don't think about what's going on in our brain. So when I talk about it being Mm -hmm. the biggest sex organ, number one, all of our pleasure, even though we have sense receptors in all of our cells, this signal is still sent to the brain. So your pleasure, your Mm -hmm. orgasmic state is actually still occurring in the brain. So to get very technical, (laughs) that's where it's happening. So it's like the pleasure centers in your brain are getting turned on. But more importantly, I like to think of our brain as like the gateway to be able to access pleasure in our body, the gateway to be able to see what's keeping us out of our body and keeping us away from pleasure. And the brain is also the center of our nervous system. So when we're talking about physiological responses in the body, nervous system responses, Mm -hmm. it really is triggered with the whole stress cycle response in our brain. So it is Mm -hmm. in so many ways, it's the biggest sex organ because it is the gatekeeper, because it's going to trigger us into a physiological state of fight, flight, freeze, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And also this is where we're going to have like those orgasmic experiences, those pleasurable experiences. Yes, they are happening in the body body, but they are shown up in the explosions of the pleasure centers in the brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So one of the things that are often that I hear that's kind of talked about, and maybe it's a misconception, is that men want it more than women and that it's all a physical desire for men and for women, they need more of an emotional connection or attachment. How true are, and maybe they're part true, you know, how true Mm -hmm. are these kind of different assumptions and stereotypes that we may be hearing uh, through the media or other means? Yeah. 
I think it's a great question. And I think there's truth, but when we unpack where the truth is coming from, it really gives us more understanding of why it's even showing up. So first it's just to understand what desire. So most people experience desire in two different ways, either spontaneous desire or what's called responsive desire. And so spontaneous desire is typically like 90% of men experience this type of desire where it's like Mm -hmm. they could just be introduced to the idea in that moment or see their partner or an attractive woman like walk by and it's like sex is on the brain and they're like all Mm -hmm. for it and they can just like go at the drop of a hat, right? Uh Responsive (laughs) desire basically means that you, your body starts to wake up and you start to feel more of that activation in your erogenous zone once you've got going, once you're Uh physically going, right? So you're Uh making out a little bit and then all of your sudden your body is like, oh, this is happening. Oh, this actually feels good. I'm totally into it. So responsive Uh desire, usually what we're talking about here is your body. You have to be into this place where you're willing to open Mm -hmm. up and to start getting into action and then see if your body is going to respond to that. And I think that's Mm. where we, a lot of times as women, for most of us women, this is like 85% of women go into this category. Mm -hmm. And so this is where we get really confused. We're like, well, you know, when my husband walks through the door, it's not like I'm like ready to hop up on a counter right away. Like, is there something wrong (laughs) with me? (laughs) You know, it's like, no, we just have to be open and willing. And so when we talk about emotional connection, usually that openness and that willingness happens because we feel in this safe environment, because we feel emotionally connected, then we're willing to kiss a little bit and make out a little bit, then our body responds. Uh So that's kind of how these two camps of desire go. But when I have really done, you know, like my own research from working with all of my clients, not like technical research on the brain, but all of my research of reading the studies Mm -hmm. and paying attention to what's going on in my practice. What I really think is going on is that we have been socialized or men have been socialized that sex is something that is very, it's not shameful for them. It's very celebrated. It's for your expected. Mm -hmm. And so they're not having all of these blocks to it to begin with, right? They're not Mm -hmm. having all of these thoughts in their brain, whether it's about what their body looks like, or if the Mm -hmm. other woman's going to like them, it's just, it's always assumed that it's okay. And so Mm -hmm. they, it's less of a hurdle to get over, right? So it's less of this thing. So I don't, think that we're not in this camp of like, if you're spontaneous or if you're responsive, that's how it has to be all of the time. It's just a way to like help us understand how our particular body is responding. Mm -hmm. But then when we start to look at like, okay, why? It's like, Mm -hmm. well, men feel for the most part, because of the way that they're socialized around it, very open and okay with the Mm -hmm. idea of sex where women have been told so many messages that make them fearful or afraid or shamed Mm -hmm. or 
a little reserved or all of the things that make it so spontaneous desire isn't safe for us. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I see that a lot in my own life too. Like growing up in church and being a Christian, it's a lot of times sex is only talked about as premarital. So before you get married and it's evil, it's bad. Don't you dare do it. It's shameful. You know, like you are bad if you do this. And then you're given a piece of paper to now say that you're married and okay, good luck. Have fun. Bye-bye. Good luck. Enjoy. You know, and it's like, go have lots of sex. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even like go make yeah. babies. Go make not babies. Even like just and then it's like about reproduction. The pleasure yeah. of it. And so, but it's like this kind of light switch that they expect can just go from the off to the on yeah, position yeah. and without bringing maybe some of that baggage, the shame, the fear, and maybe even past regrets around having sex, things like that. So how do you, like, where do we go from there? How do we handle and process all of this? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing that to really understand is number one, like if you're experiencing this, there's nothing wrong with you, right? This is very normal. And when you think about how the brain works, if it's been receiving messages for 25 years that this Mm. isn't something you're supposed to do, and then like you said, overnight, it's supposed to be something you do. That's just the outside world telling you that it's okay. Mm -hmm. Your brain has wired to think that it's Mm -hmm. not. So even if people are telling you, no, it's fine now, it's fine now, you should Mm -hmm. do this now. That's not the way the brain Mm -hmm. works. You know, the brain has now wired all these neural connections together that associate sex with being off limits and bad and shameful. So just because we've changed it out here doesn't mean you've actually changed what is going to have a direct impact on your body, which is your Mm -hmm. brain. So it's really unlearning. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, actually my background's in neuroscience, so I get really nerdy, Mm -hmm. but I won't get super nerdy. Oh, I love it. Bring it on. (laughs) But it's actually, you know, like unlearning so that Uh these connections can start to break apart so that we can create new beliefs Mm -hmm. and new thoughts that this is okay. And this is about my pleasure. Mm -hmm. And this is fun, or this is possible for me or all these other things. Like we're, you know, succinctly like starting to unbreak apart these old neural neural connections that are making it feel bad in our body and creating new ones. And that's going to have a direct effect on how your body shows Mm -hmm. up, right? Because if you're still battling this thought that this is wrong when you're getting naked, then your body's going to tense up. Mm -hmm. You're not going to actually feel that in the mood. You're not going to. And then usually what happens with us is we start beating ourselves up. Like it's just your husband. You should be into this. What's the matter with you? Let's get in the mood. And so not only are you having your brain's programming working against your desire, now you have your opinion of yourself working against your desire desire. And what that creates is usually no desire. Uh-huh, right? You have, like you're the attacker and your brain is the attacker and you're the attacky. And so we just think about an animal out in the wild being attacked. What happens? Yeah. You close up, you tense up. And that is the opposite of the conditions that we want for pleasure and desire. Uh huh. So what do we want to facilitate more pleasure in our lives? If we want to be open and more receptive, I imagine like we probably want to try to have a less stressful day or, you know, different things like that. What else? Some of your thoughts or what have you found with your practice? 
Well, I think one of the main things is like just understanding the importance of the stress cycle. So the shame piece, like that is something that needs to be addressed and worked through Mm -hmm. or your beliefs, right? So that is like, you could do mindset work around that. You could do thought work. You can still have great sex, even if you haven't let Mm -hmm. go of all of your old beliefs. Like, I don't want to say Mm -hmm. like, we have to wait till everything is cleared up, but pay attention to it. Like write it down, see what it is. And then ask yourself, what do I want to believe now? Mm -hmm. What am I working on believing and actively practicing, believing new thoughts? Like, you know, like this is my beautiful body. Of course, like pleasure is part of my experience on this planet. Of course, I want to be able to enjoy enjoy this with my partner. You know, they're like, this is such a lovely act of kindness, like whatever it is that you want to do. So actively thinking that is going to help that part of it. Then in your body, your stress cycle, you like think, like I said, think about like animals in the wild. If we have like a very primitive brain and if we're responding to the stress cycle and you're being chased by a tiger or being hunted down or anything like that, like your body doesn't have time for sex. Like Mm -hmm. you're literally, the blood is going away from your genitals Uh and into like the other parts of your organ to help with your fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. So it's really just important that we understand that the, the stress cycle is opposing your sex. So helping you get into your body to relax. You know, this is what I work with my clients on a lot, just getting out of your head into your body, helping yourself get out of the stress cycle, helping yourself like breathe deeply into Mm -hmm. your belly, connecting with pleasurable sensations. All of those things are going to help facilitate you get out of the stress cycle, but also you're working on being in your body. And that's where you want to be Mm -hmm. when it comes (laughs) obviously to good sex. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure there are plenty of excuses and justifications as to how we think we don't need more. I don't have time. I'm too stressed. I'm too tired. We come up with a variety of reasons as to like why now is not a good time, maybe tomorrow. And we kind of think that, or maybe we think like the mood has to be just right, or nobody else can be in the the house. So the kids have to be gone. Or how do we start to overcome some of these obstacles that we've put on ourselves? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is just identifying that these are obstacles. And if you truly believed that sex was like nourishing for you and this beautiful Mm. thing for you, like, I mean, imagine if you had a massage on your schedule, right. And you are looking like, Oh, this is going to be so good for me. I can't wait to get this massage. It's going to get me in my body. It's going to help release some of this tension. You're not going to be like, Oh my gosh, I'm too tired. I've had such a stressful day. You're going to be like, Uh obviously I'm going to get a massage. And you know, my whole mission is really to help show women that your sexual pleasure is one of the best things that you can do for your well-being, not just the well-being of your brain and your body, but also the well-being of who you are as a woman in the Mm -hmm. world and also in your partnership. And so when you see how much the benefit of pleasure and sex is there, you realize it's not a Mm to-do. It's not something you're checking off of your Mm -hmm. list. You know, it's not this extra luxurious thing. It's vital to who we Mm -hmm. are as women when we integrate this part of ourselves and who you can start showing up as. And when you see it as that, just like, 
you're like, oh, well, of course I want to move my body because we have been told so many times it's really healthy for us. Well, Mm -hmm. sex is really, really good for you in so many different ways. And when you start to see that it's for you and Mm -hmm. it's really, truly something that is going to benefit you of mind, of body, of heart, Mm -hmm. then it's Mm -hmm. a lot easier to start to notice that your excuses basically are Mm -hmm. keeping you from being this fully pleasured, embodied, nourished woman. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You're right. It is just a perspective shift because I wouldn't think about going to get a massage like, oh, this is what I have to do. I can't believe it. This is so annoying. How inconvenient. And yet so often I think it's easy to fall into the habit of, yeah, feeling like sex is just, it's a to-do. Well, this is what's expected or I better have sex because I don't want my husband cheating on me. We can have a lot of thoughts and kind of drama around whether we show up or not, whether we have the sex or not, just what's expected of us. Maybe it's you should have more, you should want more, or maybe it could be the opposite too. I've had some clients who it's they've wanted more sex and their spouse hasn't wanted it. And so it it should be, well, you should have less. And either way, it often gets positioned as there's something wrong with you because of how much or how little you want to have sex. So yeah, how like hold on just a sec. So I wanted to say something a little bit about what you just said because I think it's really important for us to understand, like as women, when we're Mm -hmm. having these thoughts about the should or the opposite obligation or even putting the should on our partner that they should want it more is this is the way that we have been socialized, right? We really, Mm -hmm. it's not our fault. So anybody listening to this and you're hearing us be like, oh, well, maybe I should want it more. And why am I making it a to-do? First, I want you just to take a deep breath and be like, this isn't you. It's not like you're making it an obligation or you have made it this to-do or you're like some dried Mm -hmm. up woman that doesn't care about this. Like there has been no messages in our society that allows us to be celebratory of this part of us. And so we have never been told that this could be good for you. We have been told, like you said, like it's kind of an obligation or it's what you should do as part of being a part of a marriage, or this is your partner's physical needs. So you want to make sure you meet them or you don't want them to stray or something like that. And that is not something that you're putting the to do or the should on. Like it is really something we've been told. So learning how to change that, like I just wanted to pause and like give Mm, everybody permission to like have compassion. Like this isn't you choosing this. This isn't you doing this. Everything that we have been fed as women has made it seem like we are objects of pleasure that should show up for other people's pleasure Mm. or to please them or to please our partner and not for us. So of Mm -hmm. course it feels like a to-do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is such a good point. And, and really, I think reassuring to come at it from that angle, I think for all the women listening as well, because you're right, a lot of times it's, we think about even some of the slang terminology of what it means to be sexual or like, well, she's a hoe (laughs) or, you know, it's like (laughs) things like that. Or even this idea of like, well, don't be a tease. That was another thing in like kind of growing up. It was like, well, cover up all your lady parts because, you know, you don't want to lead any boy on and heaven forbid he get the wrong idea. And now it's your fault if 
he thinks you're initiating sex because you're wearing a short skirt or, you know, there's these kind of D there's a lot of desexualization, mm-hmm. I think in, especially through teenage and 20, you know, early twenties and years when you may not be married. And it's a lot of times then into the transition of, and then you become a mom maybe. And then it's like, well, now like moms don't have sex. No, and they don't have don't pleasure. Have sex, right. We don't want to hear about that. Right. Like we have like silver yeah. box, you know, for men, but it's like, yes. there's just not like actually kind words towards women uh-huh. who are fully embodied. Right. Like that's how we have to think of it is this like fully embodied experience and like honoring your body and this self-love affair with yourself yeah. and being like, okay with this part of ourselves. And like you said, it's like, we're shamed up until you're married. Married, then there's this window that it's like, okay, now you can have sex, but make sure that it's really just with your husband. You don't want to go to the bar, you mm-hmm. know, looking really sexy because you're married now. So you don't want to give them right. a bad idea. Right? right. So it's like this very small window and then you become a mom. Uh-huh. And so, you know, <laughs> you can't be sexual then. And then you're old. So old people don't have sex, right? Like you're going through menopause. That's gross. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's just like all these messages. Right. It's like, right. we can never when and we've never been told that it is okay and it's just such a shame because mm-hmm. you know our bodies are wired to experience pleasure but when you just see the ways that it impacts not just your physiological being, but your nervous system and your confidence in the world and your boldness. Because if there's always a part of you that feels off limits, if there's always a part of you that you're feeling, oh, I can't talk about this or there's taboo, do you know what that does to your self-concept going out into the world when you always have a bit of shame and awkwardness about a part that's a natural part of who we are? Oh, yeah. I can imagine how destructive that is. And I've kind of even wondered, too, like, mm-hmm. how much does just personal shame about other areas impact us in the bedroom then, too, and, and sexual pleasure? Because I yeah. imagine it's not just shame mm-hmm. around sex. It's shame around, like, around our bodies around, well, I'm not a good enough mother or I'm not showing up as a good enough wife or some, you know, it's it's shame in these other mm-hmm. areas now that is also probably impacting that relationship. Yes. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because again, it's like going back to that, like when we become the attacker and the attacky and Mm -hmm. so much of shame is saying there's something wrong with Mm -hmm. me, right? Not just Mm -hmm. I did something wrong, but there's something wrong with me. And so when you're telling the very person there's something wrong with you and then asking to experience that loving connection with your body, it just doesn't work out. I mean, just imagine what's going on in your head and you're putting down this person constantly, like you're not okay. There's something wrong with you. You're not doing a good enough job. And then you're like, oh, but can you show me love and pleasure? Oh, can you Uh be turned on? Like, why are you not turned on? Like if you imagined your spouse or somebody saying that to you constantly and then asking you for love, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And if we are saying that to ourselves now, it's going to make Mm -hmm. it really hard to then want to open up and connect because the conversation in your head is constantly negative, self-loathing, punitive. And that is 
often what we have to mm-hmm. work on with to like achieve any result we want in life. It's like starting with that internal game of changing the way we talk to ourselves. Like that is always going to be the missing piece yep. that as to why maybe relationship counseling hasn't worked for you in the past, why you know diets haven't worked in the past, why you haven't gotten the job or the promotion or these other things. It's it all goes back to the self-talk. Yes. Yeah. And I like to think about it as like we're creating optimal conditions or container Mm -hmm. is how I talk to my clients for pleasure. And they're always so surprised about how much (laughs) like in my Better Sex and 90 Days program, like we're working on Uh self-compassion all the time because there's all these small ways that we don't even realize that we're putting ourselves down, not just about sex, like you said, but it's like if we're really creating a container that desire can like be created and thrive in and that Uh pleasure can thrive in, we have to look at that container. And if that container is breaking down and feeling attacked all the time, it's just not there. So, so much of the work that we're doing is really changing Mm -hmm. the tone and the language that we're speaking to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're also now not going to be trying to seek and fill our pleasure buckets with food. So there was a time when it was a hell of a lot easier to just eat some ice cream or some chocolate and have that little dopamine hit and have that pleasure receptor than have sex. And it was easy to kind of blame him and to blame different things, but really like starting to look at how is this impacting my relationship with food? How is it? How is my body image making me more comfortable? sitting on the couch in sweatpants and eating ice cream instead of being naked and maybe vulnerable in front of somebody else. Yeah. 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 For sure. So one of my friends was telling me a story about how her husband, they had done some kind of counseling and coaching in this area. And, but when they started, it kind of was triggered because he had told her that he was feeling deprived that they weren't having enough sex. And she responded with, well, maybe you should stop thinking thoughts that make you feel deprived. And uh, well, I kind of laughed and chuckled at this. I think there's, where does the line and the balance between not taking full responsibility for other people's thoughts and feelings that they have like on their own and still also wanting to, you know, kind of feeling like maybe they need to meet their needs or like they want this, they want to be engaged in this kind of sexual relationship with you. So where's that balance? And I see this a lot with just kind of wanting different people wanting different amounts of sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is a great question and it really comes back to, it's like, this is where I feel, and this might be controversial. I'm just going to say it, but (laughs) this Mm -hmm. is where I feel like a lot of modern uh, sex counseling, marriage counseling, loses the mark because it puts so much responsibility in our partner to fill our needs, right? And when we think about it like that, like filling our needs, then it's like, you're looking at your person, like if I don't get it from you, like there's this hole in me constantly, Mm -hmm. right? And my Mm -hmm. whole philosophy on partnerships and all of that is we are the one responsible for filling our needs first and foremost, like when we're constantly looking out, but when Mm -hmm. you do fill your needs, when you do feel like I'm validated and I'm appreciated and I'm loved and you're getting that from yourself and your partner is also working on filling their own needs, 
you'll be so surprised because you meet together with so much more compassion and understanding. You want to do these other things from your person, but not from a place of obligation. It's not coming from like, oh, I noticed that he just hasn't had sex in a long time and he really wants it. Like, I guess I'll do it. You're like, of course I want to have sex with you. Like, this is such a fun thing for us to experience together. And it does become this place of like really helping balance. And when women begin to work on what the obstacles are, when you start, stop looking at it as like, I'm giving him something or I'm doing him this favor or Mm. like, as like Mm -hmm. some reward because he's done his honeydew list or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. When you stop looking at sex like that, it becomes this like more beautiful collaborative thing. And this is another Mm -hmm. reason I think that I always talk to my clients about scheduling sex. I Mm -hmm. think it's really important. I was going to ask your take on that because (laughs) I think it's normal to like, Hey, if it's a priority, like put, you put it in your calendar. So if sex is a priority, I don't see anything wrong with scheduling it, but I know that there are a lot of people who don't have that concept or that thought. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think the reason is, is like, number one, we can schedule it. You're having that conversation with your partner, you can kind of meet in the middle, you know, maybe you're one with a lower sex drive and you're like, maybe once a week, if that, right. And your partner's like, I would love to do it like four times a week, but maybe there's like, okay, well, let's just see where we go, but let's meet in the middle with twice a week. Right. So you Mm -hmm. can, but then you're the person with the higher sex drive. Isn't feeling rejected because every single time they want it, which is like every Mm -hmm. day you're saying, no, you're not Mm -hmm. getting into this place of guilt because you're not mm-hmm. like, oh, I have to say yes every time they ask. It's like you both kind of know what's going on. But beyond that, especially for those of you that have the lower sex drive, when you schedule it, like we think of desire as happening to us, it's a mood, it's a feeling. We get into mm-hmm. a feeling by thinking thoughts. So it's like mm-hmm. if you want to be in the mood, it's completely in your control. And it's way easier to get in the mood when you know what you're getting in the mood for and it's coming mm-hmm. up, right? Yes. It's like, how could yes. I be excited about vacation if you have no vacation planned? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you excited yeah. about something that's going to happen someday? Yeah. It really helps you get your body and your mind primed again for creating that optimal conditions, that container Mm -hmm. of pleasure and desire. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like what you were saying about like being turned on isn't like always your partner's job or maybe isn't ever your partner's job. And I think that could be where some of the frustration can lie as well with, well, he just doesn't know how to turn me on mm-hmm. or he thinks I just turn on with the flip of a switch and he doesn't realize. And but it's I think, again, it's easy to like make them the problem rather totally. than looking internally and looking at, OK, how can I start to take responsibility for this? And where is that line? Because it's both people, right? And so I think so much goes back to communication. And again, Mm -hmm. if you are feeling self-conscious or unworthy, not good enough, it can be kind of scary or intimidating to have this conversation because you're afraid of what you might hear. But 
unless you actually do have it, like all of it's just coming true. Cause now we're just repeating all of those fears and those thoughts in our own mind. Yeah, no. And I, that's exactly what I coach all of my clients through is like you being turned on and you becoming orgasmic. Like that is 100% your responsibility. And that's not how we're taught. And it might sound like, oh, great. Now I have to take care of this. And it's like, no, this is really good news. It's really good news because Mm -hmm. when it's up to you, like we don't have any power when we're waiting for somebody else to Mm -hmm. like do the right things, right? It's so powerful to know like, oh yeah, I can get my body turned on. I can get in the mood. I can bring myself to Mm -hmm. orgasm. And I'm not talking about just like the actions that you're doing. It's what is going Mm -hmm. on in your brain. It's you creating a sensual experience for yourself. And that is done with our minds. That is Mm -hmm. where that is created. And that is totally in your control. And it's such an empowering thing. And then to be in that place and bring a person in, it's mm-hmm. like mind blowing, literally. Yeah. <laughs> mind blowing to yeah. yes. <laughs> Right. Yeah. 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 I love what you're saying about, you know, really putting it on the schedule and being intentional with it, because I think it forces us to actually look at what is going on during the week. Because a lot of times if we just leave it to chance or to whenever we're feeling in the mood, like if we only had sex, whenever I felt in the mood, we'd have sex like a few times a year, maybe, you know, it's like, it's very random, right? Like a lot of times I'm thinking about other things, I'm doing other things. And so really starting to prioritize and making this a priority for me, because it's my health health and well-being as well, I think is one of the first shifts that you were saying is like, I've got to look at how do I do this for me? And then not being afraid of of putting it on the calendar and then looking at if you don't want to, what are your reasons? You know, like, let's say you have it on the calendar and you don't do it. Okay, what are your reasons for not having sex then? Because I think that's going to help you also unpack what else might be going on that needs to get worked through. And because it always comes down to like, do we like our reasons? I can make an eating plan and a list of foods to follow. And it doesn't like what matters more is do I like my reasons for breaking that plan or not following it? Not so much whether I followed it or not. So I think we can apply that same approach to sex and take it as like a learning and yeah, becoming mm-hmm. more self-aware, which I, yeah. mean, I think is a big piece of this too. Yeah. And the thing that I would like to add to that though, because I think one thing that a lot of people get confused about is like when they look at mm-hmm. their reasons, the reasons that we have in the moment for like having it because it's on the calendar or not, you have to understand that your brain is going to be so resistant and it's so sneaky mm. because it doesn't uh-huh. actually want you to change. It doesn't actually want you to become a pleasured woman or a turned on woman or have this amazing, passionate sex life, even though we're like, why would my brain not want that? That's incredible because the brain doesn't want to change. Uh It takes effort to change. So I would be cautious, even if you're like, do I like my reasons when Uh you're looking at this? Because your reasons are going to be, I'm really tired. Oh, I'm just listening to my body. Oh, I'm being so kind to myself. It's been a tough day. I need rest. Like these feel really great reasons, I'm putting air quotes up, Uh (laughs) but this Uh is really just your resistant brain that's looking for immediate gratification, which is for you to stay in the familiar and in the moment Uh at the nighttime, you know, after your whole day, what's familiar is to say no. 
What's familiar is for you to sit uh-huh. on the couch. So these reasons uh-huh. we've been told like, oh, you don't want to force yourself or your body doesn't feel like it. You have to understand you're not actually forcing yourself. This isn't against your will. This isn't something you don't want. When you are in a place of thinking about your future and the type of marriage that you want, the type of body that you want to feel like, the type of things, we just have competing wants in that moment. So you're having a competing want against a immediate gratification mm-hmm. and competing want against your future that you really want with your long-term marriage that still has sparks flying, right? So it's like reminding yourself like, hey, mm-hmm. brain, I know that you think all of this stuff is really true, but let's just like, I know we also really want this. We really do want this connection. Let's just like go and kiss a little bit, or maybe you want to do a little massage. Like I have all these like guided practices. I call it like the bridge to the bedroom practices that I give Uh my clients to really help. Then we ask ourselves again, when we're not in this like graspy immediate gratification Uh place, we get ourselves to a place of willingness. And then if you are kissing or you're making out a little bit and you're like, you know, actually I really am not into this then you just stop, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we think that mm-hmm. we can't just stop, but it's like getting into action a little Into motion, bit. right, right. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense then. Yeah. yeah. So what's your take then on scheduling? Is it you just, you do these kind of bridge, you do some of the bridge work and see if you can yep. kind of get into it, but you start yep. by taking action. And so it's, is it kind of like, that's not negotiable. Yeah. We take that, you know, we start with one of these pieces and then we go from there. Yeah. There's always little nuances of like, maybe it's not right. Like if you had a really hard day or you're just going to start your period Mm -hmm. and your cramps are raging, right? Like there's always comes up, but for the Mm -hmm, most part, mm -hmm. you put it on your schedule Mm -hmm. to follow through with it. And I have, you know, my clients, we do like other exercises to see what's going on, like the resistant brain versus Mm -hmm. the wanting to, like, there's so many different things that we Uh do to like, look at our brain, get into our body get out of the stress cycle, connect with our senses, you know, doing these things. And then once you have done that for a few times, you're like, I like a lot of my clients, they go from being the low desire partner to the high desire partner because they've (laughs) like become more in their body and it just Uh becomes so practiced. It's not something you have to do all of the time. Uh But as far as Uh scheduling, I'm like, I'm a sex coach. I have no problem getting turned on or having these things. And I schedule it because I want to have really good sex. And if I have really good Uh sex when it's scheduled, this is just fact. And Uh so many people are like, no, it should be spontaneous or fun. And it's like, no, when you get to prime your body and your brain for something, it's always going to be a more enjoyable experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that plays into expectations around sex that we've probably seen in a lot of movies or TV or things, you know, in Hollywood of, well, this is what good sex looks like. And this is, these are what the scenes are. It's, yeah. It is very spontaneous. You know, you don't have a couple, at least not that I've seen where there's a movie or a show where they're like, all right, babe, it's uh, Monday night at eight o'clock. Time yeah. to go do it. <laughs> or if they do, they make the woman being some neurotic type A planner and it's perceived as a negative right. thing in the storyline right. versus an empowering, amazing, delicious thing. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's so true. And it's interesting, yeah, where we kind of pick up these expectations and how they are not just formed as a kid and a young adult, but really we we pick them up from all around us, all over, whether it's, you know, regardless of how old we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I think the thing to remember, even about those storylines where we see sex in these hot moments, this is with people that are dating or newly getting to know each other. And Mm -hmm. there is still like a part of it's planned. Like you're going to see the person that you're attracted to. So your brain is actively thinking about maybe tonight, maybe we're going to kiss. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like, we have to also unpack, like this isn't totally spontaneous. You have Uh sex on the mind when you're dating, you have sex on the mind when you're attracted to somebody and then maybe you see them out and about at a bar or something like that. And so it's not like totally spontaneous because there is usually a storyline that this person is in Mm -hmm. your brain. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the storylines that we see when it's long-term partnerships or married couples, it's usually like they're not doing it or they're in these sexless marriages, right? And Mm -hmm. we don't have, have a lot of representation about these healthy incredible, passionate relationships, mm-hmm. especially when it reaches past, you know, the five-year mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what would be your best tip for helping couples who likely do want different amounts of sex, whether they want it less or more? Is it just about finding that kind of compromise of if you want it once a week and he wants it every day that you, you know, do you find this middle ground and say like, okay, let's start with three times a week? Or do you start with like once a week and see, you know, can we get into this groove? And then we just build on top of that kind of as our minimum baseline. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I usually, um, you know, again, I think it's creating safety usually for the the low desire person, you know, so it depends. Like, I don't want to just give like an answer because it really depends on where you're at with your own desire and your own pleasure. But I always say a one time a week is a really wonderful place to like start. It's a great baseline Mm -hmm. to keep that connection and to keep working. And some people, you know, or some couples, even if they are the ones with the higher desire, realize that there's the rhythm and the enjoyment and the pleasure that they experience because it's so different for that one time a week, you know, with that low desire partner getting into mm-hmm. it, that sometimes they don't increase it. Sometimes they just stay at that. So, but that I feel like is a wonderful place where everybody has a touch point, you know, a physical touch point at least once a week. And what you'll also notice when mm-hmm. they're for the low desire partner who might feel pressured that any time that they get physical or touch or get flirty, that they're going to feel like, oh my gosh, now, you know, he's going to think that I want it more or, you know, I'm going to give him the wrong idea. And so they like retract, like usually this is when we withhold any kind of physical touch in between because we're afraid that it's going to lead to something we don't think we want. Uh But when you know that it's like one time a week and that's decided, that physical touch and that flirtiness and that playfulness, there's so much room for that because you're not feeling like, oh, great. Now I'm going to like, I'm making it seem like we're going to be having sex tonight. It's like, no, we're, we're going to do it Mm -hmm. on Tuesday, but that juicy connection happens Mm -hmm. throughout the week. And it's just create so much more fun and playfulness and passion with these couples. So even if it is stays at one time a week, it's a lot of those physical touches and needs and just feeling wanted is being met because of Mm -hmm. that safety in that container and that schedule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes so much sense. So, I mean, I guess what I'm hearing a lot today is just like really making it safe for yourself, safe for your brain that this is okay. And really just reemphasizing that and looking at, you know, how it's been unsafe maybe in the past and starting to change that story. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was fascinating and I could talk to you probably forever. <laughs> like this is amazing. And yeah, so, it's like we have so much stuff to talk about. <laughs> so, so for everyone listen, you know, just for everyone listening though, who might be interested and are starting to think, wow, maybe I can start to spice up uh, my love life a little bit more and, and starting to see how this could really benefit them. How can they contact you, start to work with you, start to get a taste of what you do, you know, on a more regular basis? Yeah. So I have a podcast. It's called It's My Pleasure. And this is what we talk about, you know, exactly some of the skills, the practices, the mindset shifts needed to help create that safety and also create that container for more desire and more pleasure. So you can check that out. I also have a challenge coming up. And I think this is such a wonderful way to just kind of get to know what this is like. It's mind body practices. It's, you know, learning and training. So it's a five day online event. It's called the sexy revamp. And it's just to really help you feel sexy in your body feel empowered in this part of your life and in your relationship. So that starts September 15th. And I'm sure we can drop the links in the show notes yeah, for that. And that's a wonderful way just to really dip your toe in and get some friends of yours and help this, like, you know, you said at the beginning, just normalize this conversation and not make it so so taboo. So we will do that. But daniellesavory.com is my website so they can find out all the info there. Fabulous. Yes. And everybody should definitely listen to her podcast. It is amazing. She has a recent episode around perfectionism that I totally resonated with because that has been some such a big part of my life. And, you know, even though we can make strides in certain areas, there's always like more room to be made. And I just start to notice it. The more I'm aware of it, the more I start to see that habit really coming up in so many different areas. So, so definitely check out the It's My Pleasure podcast. Absolutely love it. So thank you so much, Danielle. I so appreciate it. You being here. Yes. And is there any final last thought or thing that you'd like to leave listeners with? Yeah. I think the main thing that I would just say is like to really notice what your brain's saying, even after this conversation, if it's like, oh, I should, I should, I should. And it's like, oh no, I want to, I want to explore this part of me. Like, don't let this be a should. Let it be a desire for yourself because what it can offer you. And that's where we always start and really not beating yourself up for anything of your past or just be like, of course I have shame. Of course I have these thoughts. And I want to learn how to be in my body and be with my sexuality in a different way. Like really offering yourself like that love and that tone as you explore. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. you Sounds good. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop, Five Keys to End Emotional Eating and Lose Excess Weight for Life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.